Luke, I just want to remind you of some of the things that you have been um, uh, told as you read the introductions to this past week's uh, study. That coming to this weekend, we've kind of come to a converging point. Uh, Luke's gospel begins with Jesus uh, in Galilee and his early Galilean ministry. And then uh, we're not very far into Luke before we learn that Jesus has set his face to go to Jerusalem. And we spend a, a large segment of Luke's gospel uh, in that meandering journey that begins in Galilee and moves uh, down the Jordan Valley, in and out of Samaria, uh, traveling toward Jerusalem until ultimately he arrives in Jerusalem uh, for the express purpose of completing his ministry and fulfilling the ultimate mission that was his in his incarnation which was the ministry to come and to give himself as the Lamb of God for the sin of the world to die on the cross. The scripture says that he came proclaiming the kingdom of God. And he came uh, announcing the good news. Uh, It began with the angels at his birth. And it was continued uh, through John and then through the ministry of Christ himself as he announced that the kingdom of God had come. Um, you remember some of the disciples perhaps asked him, Lord, uh, when, or, or some of the Jewish leaders, when is the kingdom of God going to come? And he, and he said, it's not uh, coming like you think. Uh, you're looking for a political um, kind of uh, operation. You're looking for uh, something that will establish... Uh, parliaments and and thrones and directives, but he said the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is when God has his way in your life. That's the kingdom of God, when he is reigning in your heart. And so he said to, to the disciples, the kingdom of God is among you right now. It is already with you. And as we move toward Jerusalem, as he proclaims this good news and finishes the work on the cross, then we turn this coming week to the book of Acts as the trajectory goes out again, uh, expanding as the disciples have the responsibility to share the good news and to go forth into all the world. Uh, you remember Jesus said, uh, you don't remember because you haven't read it yet, but you remember because you've read it a hundred times. Um, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so we see that the trajectory of the message of Luke is, first of all, moving toward Jerusalem to that culminating point, and then moving out from Jerusalem to all the world. Jesus came to proclaim the good news. But the disciples are commissioned to spread the good news. You know, a couple weeks ago, I brought a message on the state of the church, and I noted many of the positive things that God has done this past year in our midst. But as I move toward the end of that message, I noted several symptoms 
of disease. You recall I told you I had read Tom Rainer's book, Autopsy of a Church. Uh, why do churches die? What, what are the hallmarks that bring about the death of a church? And I was very pleased to discover in reading his analysis uh, that we're not dead yet. <laughs> I was also pleased to realize we're not even in intensive care yet. Uh, that's good news, you know, uh, but I was not happy to discover as I thought about it and recognize the truth of what he was saying is that we do have signs of uh, early illness. And if we don't nip that in the bud, you know, you know how when you, you get that cold and it becomes a sinus infection and then I don't mean to gross anybody out, but you get that post-nasal drip and it starts going down in your lungs and then you've got bronchitis and if you don't deal with that, you've got pneumonia and you may end up in the hospital because uh, if you don't take care of things as they begin to develop, uh, they tend to simply get worse as time goes along. And so it's a good idea. Uh, the reason we do wellness checks and health checks for our bodies is to catch things when we can nip them in the bud. I was 19 years old, uh, skinny as a waif, believe it or not, uh, 6 to 170 pounds. I won't tell you what it is now, but uh, I've shrunk a little bit, I'll admit to that. But um, anyway, uh, I was first diagnosed with high blood pressure. I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, and I went to a friend who was a school nurse, and she took my blood pressure, and she said, my goodness, Paul, uh, your blood pressure is 170 over 120. And I was like, wow, that's not good. <laughs> and so uh, I was 19 when I was diagnosed with that, and I started taking blood pressure medicine right away. Because if I didn't, uh, the life expectancy for somebody with that kind of blood pressure is not very long. And so here I am, uh, 40-something years later, and uh, since my heart surgery, my blood pressure's been normal. Isn't that good? <laughs> but anyway, um, you, you catch it early, and then you have an opportunity to save the patient. If you ignore it, you're simply going to go through a, a sequela of disease that are going to take you to a much more dire condition. And so you'll recall that one of the things I said to you is that one of the hallmarks of a church that is showing signs of illness is the Great Commission has become the Great Omission. That there is a failure to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. And as I've looked back over 2015 and I've talked to various leaders in our church of different groups, uh, we cannot point to one person in all of 2015 that has uh, made a commitment of faith to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. In other words, we have seen no conversion in 2015. Now, I'm not speaking to you about that as a church growth analyst. I, I don't care much for church growth stuff. Uh, I, I think a lot of it is, is uh, just program-centered and it's geared toward building the church. And Jesus made it very plain that that's his job. I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, it may come as a surprise to you 
But I have never considered it a part of my job description to build the church. It's not my job to make a big church. It's not your job to make a big church. We're not out for, for grandiose uh, demonstration. We're not out to, to build a megachurch. There's nothing in the Scripture that gives us warrant for that kind of goal. But there's plenty in the Scripture about making ourselves available to God to be witnesses of the things that we have seen and experienced from Jesus Christ. And one of the stories that uh, uh, really stood out to me as I was reading this week was the story of Jesus. You remember, he's down by the side of the lake and uh, he gets in a boat and he pushes out a little ways. Uh, there's a lot of uh, acoustical reasons for doing that, but I won't bore you with those details. But he pushes out a little ways and he begins to teach and, and preach to them and share the good news of the kingdom. And after he finishes, Peter is the one who happens to own that particular boat and Peter's in the boat with him kind of being the pilot. And so after he finishes with that... Um, he says to Peter, they've been cleaning their nets, go out a little further and throw your net in. And Peter just, you know, he does this. I, I was just getting these things clean. I worked hard all night. There aren't any fish out there. I didn't catch a one. My partners, James and John, didn't catch any. But if you say so. And so Peter puts out a little further and, you know, I can see him kind of ho-hum, throw the net in. And uh, all of a sudden, he can't haul it back. It's so full of fish that he can't manage it. He cries out to his partners, uh, James and John, come help us. <laughs> and... One of the things that was pointed out to me, you know who else was in the boat with Peter was Jesus. Uh, he undoubtedly was helping to pull the net in. Uh, I can't imagine Jesus saying around, see, I told you so, you know, just kind of standing there, you know. Uh, I, I'm quite sure that he was right by the side of the boat with Peter helping to pull that net in. And as uh, Peter and John, and I don't know where uh, Andrew was, but he probably was in there by this time, uh, they, they, they pull this uh, haul of fish in, and it's so many that the boats are beginning to sink. Not the boat, but the boats. They're beginning to sink. And uh, Peter is just astounded. He's just astounded. He's terrified. And he says, uh, go away from me, Lord, because uh, I am a sinful man. And Jesus says to him, Simon... Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From this day forward, uh, you will be catching people, not fish. Uh, I have a different plan for you. One of the greatest hindrances we have, I think, for sharing the message of Jesus Christ is fear. We're afraid of what our friends and neighbors are going to think. Are we going to come across too religious? Uh, we're afraid of what might happen at work if we're sharing the gospel. 
Uh, we're afraid uh, of what would happen at school if we're bold and open about the gospel. Fear often binds us from the very uh, ministry that we are commissioned uh, as those who would be his followers to share the good news. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. And as I looked at this story of not a, a fabricated story, but a literal historical fact that Jesus tells experienced fishermen who have had a terrible night and no product for their effort to go back out and throw their net in again, all of a sudden the catch is more than they can manage. It is in that context that Jesus says to them, don't be afraid, I'm going to make you fishers of people. It's not fish that are important, it's people. But there is a correlation between the two. And uh, I know that there are four things that correlate in this story with our own spiritual walk and the process of winning people to Christ. The first one is abiding in Christ. Notice that these disciples have been sitting with Jesus, listening to his teaching. They are with him, at least Peter is with him, in the boat. They have been having this learning experience. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. When you abide in me and I abide in you, then you can ask what you want and it's going to be accomplished for you that my Father will be glorified and that you bear much fruit. The fruit is the work that God does through us, but it comes from abiding and resting in Jesus Christ. One of the things that we need to recognize very clearly is that Winning people to Christ and doing the kingdom work is not up to us in our power and our strength and our responsibility. They started out by abiding and then he gave them instructions. And they obeyed the instructions that he gave them. Go out a little further and throw in the net. Here's what I want to suggest to you this morning, because I, the last thing I want to do, unless the Holy Spirit does it, and that can only happen on an individual basis, because you alone know whether or not you have been obedient to Christ. The last thing I want to do is put our whole congregation on a guilt trip. Oh, we didn't want anybody to Christ in 2015. We must be lousy Christians. I don't want to do that. But I want to raise awareness. Life begets life. And if we're not seeing people come to Christ, there's, there's something stopping up the flow somehow or another. And we need to be asking God what it is. 
We need to be talking to him about it. We need to be open to what he has to say. And I want to suggest to you that you begin by just thinking about the people in your life that don't know the Lord and start praying for them. I didn't say start talking to them. I said start praying for them. Did you know you can witness all wrong? You can share the gospel in a way that is so offensive that you will drive people from Christ. You can be so obnoxious or so embarrassing that you will push people away from faith. And they're going to think, you're nuts. And you may be. The only way you can effectively share the gospel is in the power and anointing and guidance of the Holy Spirit. So you need to begin by praying for people. And as you pray for people, you may hear direction from the Lord. He may lead you into a moment with an open door and they may ask a question that you never imagined they would ask. And it opens the whole opportunity. Or he may suggest that that you say something unrelated to the message of the gospel, but it leads down a trail that ultimately brings them to talk about Christ. Or, you may not even know what you're doing from an intellectually planned perspective. But because you've been praying, the Holy Spirit is working in your life in unseen ways, and something happens, and an opportunity unfolds, and you didn't even see it coming until it's staring you in the face, because God has an amazing way of creating accidents when you had no idea what was going to happen. And as we begin to pray out of our abiding relationship, direction and instructions will come. But notice, as Peter threw the net in, (laughs) do you think Peter got those fish to swim into it? Well, he tried all night and he couldn't entice a single one. And, And you and I cannot make people be born again. Let me say something here. You can get people, uh, maybe just to get rid of you, uh, pray the sinner's prayer with you. You can get them to repeat after me. But you cannot change the heart of a single person to truly follow Christ. I thought about Nicodemus. You know, you remember reading that? Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to go have uh, a meal with you. What kind of gospel presentation is that? I'm going to go have, have a meal with you. And Nicodemus says, Lord, if I have, I'm going to give half of everything I've got to the poor. And if I've wronged anybody, I'm going to pay it back fourfold. 
Isn't that amazing? What changed that man's heart? The power of God in the moment. And he was changed. He was changed. You can't change people. Only God can convert a sinner. Only God can cause them to be born again. The Holy Spirit brings new birth. You can't bring new birth. But as you obey Christ and throw in the net, He's the one by His Spirit that drives the fish into the net. It's His responsibility. And they didn't catch every fish in the lake that day, by the way. They just got enough to nearly sink two boats. But there was a whole lot more in the lake than got in the net. It's not everyone that's going to respond immediately. But when the Lord is in the process, then it's our privilege to gather the catch. And we can pull it in and bring those ones into the family of God and begin the process. Jesus said... All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, as you go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations. Teach them to observe all that I have told you and commanded you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you to the end of the age. That's his message and his mission for us. Jesus gave us the key. You know, a lot of people have a life verse. Jesus wrote the verses, so uh, maybe he originated his own life verse. But Luke 19.10, Jesus says, The Son of Man came to seek and save that or who was lost, the ones who were lost. That was his mission. And friends, you will never be closer to the heart of God than when you and He are on the same page with that mission. When you want what He wants, God desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's His heart's passion. And when you and God are in agreement concerning that, that is what will bring uh, the harvest. You have to trust God to, to convert souls. You have to trust God to change lives. You have to trust God to bring in the fish. That, that's not my job. It's not your job. That's His job. But it is my job to do what He tells me. To put out the boat a little ways. To cast the net. To do whatever... He tells me to do. It is my responsibility to abide in Him. And when I do that, we will see a harvest. I'm asking God to do some amazing things this year. I'm asking Him to have a powerful impact in our congregation. I don't want to get more people just so the stats will go up. I don't want to get more money just so the budget will be met. I'm just not interested in that. But I am desperately interested in people who are headed 
for a priceless eternity to know Jesus Christ. Who are they in your life? Who are they? Will you begin to pray for them? And then do what God tells you to do. And he will bring the harvest.